we're going to jump back into it. We, we, I promise you guys, I know the small groups finished Ephesians a month or so ago, but I'm still unpacking nuggets. And we are going to finish this, okay? Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 6. And we get into a, a topic here today that's really, really, uh, uh, it's important for us to grasp and understand. Ephesians chapter number 6, and we'll read verses 5 through 9. And the question we're asking today, how are you working? Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, how are you working? All right. Uh, we, we, we want to understand this all-important truth here. And the Apostle Paul, who's the writer of our text, uh, begins to share some things with us. And we'll look at one of his other letters and, and see if we can grasp some understanding uh, about what he's trying to tell us in this passage of Scripture. Paul is the writer of this text. Right. Uh, And we get into this sixth chapter. We know when we first started this, we understood that the book of Ephesians is like many of Paul's other letters where he divides it in half. In the first part of the letter, he gives us doctrinal truths, what we should believe, the foundational truths. And doctrine is critically important, especially in the days that we live in now. Understanding Bible doctrine so you can have a solid foundation and know what it means to be saved and not let let the enemy or someone else come and tell you what you don't have. All right, so he talks about doctrine in the first part of the letter. In the last half of the letter, he begins to tell us about practical application. How do I put into practice on an everyday basis the things that I've learned about myself as a Christian, right? Because it does no good for me to come up here and preach at, at this level up here, and, and we all are living at this level down here. In other words, we got to live in this earth realm, in a fallen world. So how do I take those principles uh, that I know are true and that God gave them to me and begin to apply them in my life? So this last half of the book, he does a yeoman's job of beginning to explain some of these things. And so he talks about in this last part, in this in verses 5 through 9, we're going to talk about the work environment. Now watch what the text says. Uh, let's read together. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Next verse. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Uh, Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Next verse. Remember that the Lord will reward each of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Now watch this. When you first read this, somebody said, whoa, 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 what are you talking about, Pastor? The Bible is condoning slavery. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I shared with you a few weeks back that when you look at this text, you got to understand it in, 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 the, in, the, in the day of that time. Uh, in the Greco-Roman world at that time, roughly 60, roughly 35 to 4 percent of the population were, were indigent servants. And what would customarily happen is if someone owed a debt, or if someone was in a position where they needed to have resources, they would, they would voluntarily submit themselves under the rulership of someone who, could, who they would work for, all right? Uh, as a matter of fact, look, most of the time we come to the scripture text, we come to it with our, with our modern-day Americanized version of society. And this has nothing to do with this. As a matter of fact, you could actually put in there worker and employee. Employer and employee is what we're dealing with today, Okay. Let me show this to you by, by scripture, by, by way of, first of all, that, that we're dealing with a different type. When he talks about slaves, he's not talking about what we talked about in America, okay? If you will, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Just a little sidebar. 1 Timothy 1, verse number 8. 1 Timothy 1, verse number 8. 
And I'll show you that, that this, when we read this text, we got to remember it from that standpoint. So if I, if I were a, a, a man who had a family and I fell on hard times or didn't have a job or whatever, I could actually uh, 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 commit myself to someone for a period of time. As a matter of fact, God even had uh, some, uh, uh, some commands in the Old Testament to, to tell them how to do that. And after seven years, you had to release the person. But watch what the text says here. Paul is writing to Timothy. Notice what he says here. He says what? We know that the law is good when used what? Let's read it again. We know that the law is good when what? Used correctly. Next verse. Let's read. It says, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy who kill their, kill their father or mother or commit other murders. Watch what it says. The law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or who are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious God, from the glorious good news, entrusted to me by our blessed God. So he says in there, slave traders. All right, so that tells you right there that the way we think about slavery as it relates to modern day American slavery is not what this is dealing with here in this text. I just want to share that before we get started, okay? So I want to clear your mind. The Bible never condones a man kidnapping someone, taking from their family, treating them harshly uh, in, 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 in slavery in the sense that we think about slavery, okay? So we're talking about employer and employees. You ever say Employers? Employees. All right, so there's, there's a few things I want us to focus on as we go through this lesson, okay? What's the main idea we're looking at? Number one, uh, the main idea, our identity in Christ should define our work rather than our work defining our identity. All right, listen to that again. Our identity in Christ should define our work rather than our work defining our identity. We studied this in our, in our authentic manhood class, and I, I thought these principles were real good. That's why I'm bringing them back up again today. Especially with men. This happens with women, too, but especially with men. Men tend to define themselves based off of what they do for a living. One of the first things that a man's going to ask uh, when he meets another brother is ultimately going to ask, well, what do you do for a living? Because we are so prone to identifying who we are based on what we do. Whenever I go and meet somebody, I'm, I'm out there, in, uh, whether it's at a chamber function or I'm going to the grocery store. Whenever I go up and meet somebody, I never say when they say, okay, they introduce themselves to me and they, they tell me their name. What do I tell them? I don't say Pastor Doyle Adams Sr. I say Doyle Adams. That's my God-given name. Are y'all with me? Now, I understand titles. I understand those type of things. But I'm not identified and I don't get my identity from being a pastor. I am a, a child of God who's been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And my name is Dahl R. Adams Sr. Are y'all with me today? I know some people who are getting mad if you don't say reverend before their name. My identity is not wrapped up in what I do for a living. Are y'all tracking with me today? See, God desires that we glorify him in the way we relate with others and perform our task at work so that others can come to know him. So, so the main idea, our identity in Christ should define our work rather than our work defining our identity. Second thing, that's the main idea. The head, the head change that we're looking for or the way we want to change our thinking is this. 
to know that faithfully following Christ as we work will make our work fulfilling and meaningful. Listen to that again. To know that faithfully following Christ as we work will make our work fulfilling and meaningful. See, guys, we got to realize that, that our faith being integral to who we are should shine for others to see. Your place of employment, if you're still working, uh, is, 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 a, is a prime mission field for you to exhibit the love of God that abides on the inside of you. Your place of employment should be a place where you go thinking, I am going to get, I am going to get a chance to interact with people who I otherwise would not interact with if I wasn't working with them. And so because God places me in their presence, then God wants to use me to influence them for the cause of Christ. All right. So to know that faithfully following Christ as we work will make our work fulfilling and meaningful. So what's the heart change you're looking for? Uh, to feel confident that working in a way that glorifies God instead of pursuing fleeting success will please God. Listen to that again. To feel confident that working in a way that does what? Instead of what? Pursuing. Will do what? <coughs> will please God. Now watch this. How many of y'all will be honest enough with me to tell me that there are some times when you were in whatever job you were in that you didn't quite glorify God in that place of employment? Can I get a hand raised? Uh, let me go to this side over here because I, I, I believe in being honest. How many of y'all have been in places of employment where there were series of, of seasons where you were not glorifying God in the way you carried out your job responsibility? Your attitude was a little stinky. Or we say in the country, your, your, attitude, your attitude was a little stinky. All right, God wants to use us wherever we are. And it doesn't matter what you do, what your job responsibility is, there's a way to do it that can honor God and bring glory to his name. So, okay, so we want to feel confident that working in a way that glorifies God instead of pursuing fleeting success, okay, in our, in our work. And lastly, life change, what are we looking for? To find our significance in our identity as Christians rather than letting failures and successes at work define us. Listen to that again. To find our significance in our identity as Christians rather than letting failures and successes at work define us. Now watch this. Uh, this is important for us to understand. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of y'all have been fired from a job? If you've been fired from a job, it, it, it's not a good feeling, right? I told y'all, this, this is when I was young. I, was, I, was, I think I was 16 or 17. I got fired from a job and didn't really know I was fired. <laughs> I was, I was work. Here's how I, I was working and being influenced by some of the cats who I was, who I was running with. This is before I knew better guys. Everybody said this before salvation. All right. This is before salvation. Okay. And I'm working and, and the guys who, who were working other summer jobs were telling me how they had it real easy. They didn't do a whole lot. Uh, and, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm doing a whole lot up here, so I th- I'm going to slack off so I can go tell them that, hey, man, I'm getting paid. I'm not doing a whole lot. And, and, and all of a sudden, I find myself calling up there for the schedule, 
And Richard, they didn't put me on the schedule. They never told me I was fired. They just never put me on the schedule. So here's a clue. If you're not being put on the schedule, whether you realize it or not, you're a goner. But I learned from that. And I, and I never, from that point forward, every job that I had, I worked as I was working into law because I got saved and I began to understand that it's not, it's not a, 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 a thing to brag about that you're not doing much because God is watching how you do what you do. Are y'all with me? Okay. So, so to find our significance in our identity as Christians rather than letting failures and success at work define it. Because some people get so distraught when they don't get the promotion that they were looking for. And they, they, they'll even go into a state of depression not realizing that the promotion is good, but just because you didn't get the promotion does not believe that God can't use you and he's still not pleased with you. Are y'all tracking with me today? All right, so let's move a little bit further. I'll get back to our text again, okay? Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And I want, I want us to, 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 to hone in here because the truth of the matter is that sometimes if we're not careful, we'll be a hindrance to people coming to know Christ because they're watching how we do what we do at work. All right. If you show up late every day. Hello. If you show up for work every day late. I'm not talking about the occasion when maybe the train in Bossier got you trapped. Um, I'm not talking about the occasional you had a flat tire, but I'm talking about every day you show up late for work. That is not God honoring. And guess what? People are watching how you do what you do. And you, you stepping up there you know, all the time, talking, oh, praise the Lord, glory to God, thank God for another day that he's made. And they're thinking you show up late every day, right? What we do in our places of employment have impact on our ability to be able to actually minister to those people who God has placed us in that place to minister to. Can I get a witness? So watch what he says here um, in the text. He says in verse number five, slaves, obey your masters, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. So what he's saying here, worker, employee, work as if you are doing what you're doing for the Lord. Because all, all of us, if we're honest about it, I think that there's several things that all of us, if we're honest about it, want from our work environment, right? Number one, we, we all want to be successful, right? Nobody should go to a job wanting to fail, right? Want to be successful. We all want to be fairly compensated for a job well done, right? We want to be, be paid market rate for what we're doing. Uh, number, the third thing, we all want to have the right job fit. You want to be doing something that you wake up in the morning and glad to go do, right? There are jobs, guys, I'll tell you that I've done before I knew I didn't want to do it for a lifetime. But at the same time, because I began to, once I figured out that that's not the way to do it, once I got saved and realized that whatever I do, I should do it heartily unto the Lord, I used those opportunities to work hard so that I could earn whatever pay I was, I was earning so that I could uh, be a w- credible witness to those who I'm working with on an everyday basis. I remember uh, I worked summer jobs when I was playing football over losing a tech. Uh, and I, the town of Benton was gracious enough to hire me every summer. Uh, and, uh, and so w- uh, one summer, I, I, uh, I worked the garbage truck. All right? gar- it was a flatbed before they had these, uh, these uh, garbage trucks in the back where they, where they automatically pick them up. I was the automatic pickup. <laughs> me and the guys who were riding the garbage truck. 
And we would go down. We, it was a flatbed truck. We would get down. We would hang on to the side of the truck and then get down, pick the, pick the trash can up, dump it up over uh, the, 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 the bed of the truck and into the back of that, that garbage truck. Now, it was, it was hot. It was tough. But I would say it was character building for me. Are y'all with me? Because I was going to sling that garbage can to the best of my ability. And it helped me get in shape for two a days of football, too. That was a byproduct of it. But the fact that I was, 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 was picking up garbage cans was irrelevant to me because I realized, I understood that whatever I was doing, I should do it to the glory of God. Are y'all listening to me today? Whatever we do, we should do it to the glory of God. And what we, the, 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 what, the last thing we, we, all of us want is we want to know that our work matters. How many of y'all know that if, if the garbage man failed to run, you will quickly begin to understand that the garbage man matters? Can I get a witness? I don't know about you, but I have garbage every week that I want to get out of my house and get away from there. Are y'all listening to me? I remember this was several years back when, when the garbage collectors in New York City went on strike. And they went on strike. And garbage was piled up all over the place, stinking, rats running all over the place. And quickly they found a solution to that problem. So every job is important. Everybody say every job is important. I remember when uh, 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 Dr. Martin Luther King said, uh, you know, when he was living, he says, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets like Michelangelo painted or like Beethoven composed music, or like Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. And I agree with that. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. As a matter of fact, go to, go to Colossians, the third chapter. Right quick. Can, we, can, we, can we look at some scriptures right quick? Colossians chapter number three. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Now, some of y'all are sitting there thinking right now, but Pastor, you don't, you don't know about my job. I, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant what you do for a living. But whatever you do for a living, you should do it to the glory of God. Look at Colossians, the third chapter, uh, in verse number 22. Start at verse number 22. We're going we're gonna to move our way down. Are y'all still with me today? How are you working? It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time and not just when they're watching. Okay, let's go back. Employees, obey your earthly employer in everything that you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your what? Reverent fear of the boss. No, it didn't. It didn't say that. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of whom? The Lord. So now when I do what I do at my place of employment, I'm doing it not because I'm fearful that they're going to come in and catch me surfing uh, Facebook or watching my favorite TV program when I should be doing research. Come on, Christians. My amen's got a little, little quiet on me there. Because if the truth be told, a lot of Christians are guilty of wasting time in their places of employment. When you should be doing what you should do, and that's why you're always behind in doing what you should do, because you're doing what you shouldn't be doing. 
social media is going to be the death nail of some of y'all. Now, I'm not saying social media is evil. It can be a tool that's utilized to even promote the gospel and be a positive influence. But you cannot afford to get sidetracked with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all these other type things when you should be working. Give the Lord a hand of praise. All right. Y'all, y'all going to like me before it's over with, okay? Right now, you may not like me, but you're going to like me before it's over with. Because look at what the text says. Serve them. Those who are over you, those who are your supervisor, I don't care if you don't like the way they do it. This says nothing about liking the way they manage you. It says serve them sincerely because of what? Your reverent fear of the Lord. Verse number 23. Let's go, guys. It says what? Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for what? Than for people. Next verse, let's go. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is who? So what he's saying is, is that whenever I engage myself in, in, the, in, in the employee of any company, a business owner, then actually uh, the, I'm not working for them, spiritually speaking. I'm working for him. Are y'all got me? I, I'm looking at Digging Kenny Wayne Douglas over there. He's been with United Rentals for how many years, Kenny? 30 years. 30 years. And, and, and a year or so ago, he got the reward for best driver in the company, in the whole company. This dude knows how to work under the Lord. Are y'all with me today? I am sure there's some times when, and Brother Kenny and I have talked about, there's some times he may have been frustrated about something, but he didn't allow his frustration to cause him to stop serving and working as unto the Lord. All right? And that's critically important for us to do, to rec- recognize that we are, we are, it says here, and remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is whom? Is Christ. Okay, so don't forget that. The master you are serving is whom? The master you are serving is whom? All right. Uh, Verse 25 for good measure. Watch this. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Let's read that again out loud and on purpose. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no what? Favorites. All right. So, so, so. Let's, let's, let's dig a little deeper. Okay, so the question we ask is, how are you working? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, how are you working? Well, there are four conventional responses to work that I, I, I want to just drop into your hearing right quick. And again, these are some tools that we studied when our authentic manhood class. And I, I thought it was, it was, it was pertinent to, for us to share these again, okay? Because it's important for us to know that God watches how we work. Well, the, w- one response is, 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 is to be disengaged. Everybody say disengage. A few years back, an employee study was, was conducted, and it showed that 71% of American workers are either not engaged or actively disengaged at work. 71% of American workers are either not engaged. When I say not engaged, in other words, not fully locked in to doing their assignment. I'm not saying they didn't come to work, and I'm not saying that they didn't get paid because they came to work and they got paid. 
but they were not actively engaged. And some of them were disengaged to the point to where the productivity of that of that work environment was not what it needed to be. All right. So 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 they were disengaged. In other words, they're going through the motions. Now, I need you to look at me now. Look at me carefully. How many times have you been at work going through the motions? Let's bring it even. How many times have you been at home cleaning up the house, just kind of going through the motions? Halfway cleaning. Y'all know what it means to halfway clean? All right, how many of y'all have teenagers that halfway clean their room? How many of y'all have teenagers that make the bed up, put the spread, the comforter up, and never straighten the sheets up under the doggone comforter? Ever say going through the motions? How many of you have ever served in ministry in a capacity and halfway served or served with the wrong attitude? You're doing what God told you to do, but you were complaining the whole time you're doing the doggone thing. Our attitudes and how we do things, I want you to know that God is why so. So, so many of them were disengaged. They, they were going through the motion, not, not passionate about what they were doing. Work is just a means to a paycheck for them. And their ultimate goal is just to get out of there one day. Retire one day. Now, retirement is good when you put your time in. Come on, get, get, get away with this. But why any retirees in the house? All right? Retirement is a good thing. You put your time in. Okay? But there are some folks who hadn't put their time in. They're trying to retire. <laughs> are y'all listening to me? All right, so, so there's, there, there are those who are disengaged, just going through the motion, not passionate about what they're doing. Uh, second type was those who are disappointed. See, less than half of U.S. workers report being satisfied with their job. And one third are disappointed in the amount of money that they earn and the amount of stress in their jobs. Okay, so they're disappointed with a lot of things. There's a lack of contentment in their job. They are they have unmet expectations. Their career dream has basically died out. They they stopped dreaming about doing what they had said they wanted to do when they were when they were 20 years of age. And work feels like a place where there's a dark cloud over their head. Now I will submit to you that if you respond this way to your work environment, it it, it behooves you to look around and say, should I still be in this environment? And, and look around and see, is it me? Because sometimes it's us. Because no environment should shape how you respond emotionally. If unless you let it. No person, hear me carefully, no person can literally make you do sin. You have to sin out of your own will. And how you respond to the situation will determine how how. How uh, how uh, emotionally healthy you are. The third thing is that you have those who the, the third uh, response to uh, work is those who are over engaged. Eighty six percent of American men report working more than 40 hours in a typical week while taking fewer vacation days than people in most other countries. And many men often over engage in work because they are prioritizing work over everything else in their life. Now listen, I'll tell you, uh, there are some times when I struggle with being over-engaged. Uh, I, my dad was a, a worker. 
uh, he, he will work hard. I mean, he, I say work hard. His dad here today, yeah, he's uh, about 84 years of age now, I think. He, he can't work as hard as he used to. But he, he would work fixing cars. Um, and he would work after his regular work job to work on his stuff, to prepare his car. And, 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 and he worked almost seven days a week. All right? And so he was engaged in work. And, and that was good because it put food on our table. I can't recall a time in my life where we didn't have something to eat. It may not have been what we wanted to eat, but it was, Joanne, was something for us there to eat. And there was some time during the summer where we made, make us a ketchup sandwich. Y'all know anything about a ketchup sandwich? A mayonnaise sandwich. Some of y'all look at me like, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor. Not, not that there was not some bologna and pressed ham. Y'all know what pressed ham is? Let me see the hands of y'all who know what bologna and pressed ham is. All right, thank you. Y'all make me like, think, I think I'm going crazy up here. But we had things there to eat, so he provided. But what I got to tell you is that it's critically important for us to realize that, that all work all the time is not healthy for us spiritually, and it's not healthy for us emotionally, and it's certainly not healthy for our family. But I appreciate everything that dad did. And mom, too. Are y'all with me today? But we're learning how to do life God's way now. We learn how to talk about these things that previously maybe we didn't talk about. So, so you have the over-engaged person. They, they, they allow work to consume their time and all their thoughts. They, 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 they can't relax without, without having work withdrawals. One in, check an email at 11 o'clock at night. Baby, that email's going to be there in the morning. Take yourself to bed. Over-engaged. The, the, the over-engaged, they make work a source of significance, and they, they, they derive their value and their worth from their work. So the over-engaged, and, and the next, next one is the underworking. We have the underworking. Some of y'all got some children who are underworking. Their response often comes from a lack of personal ambition or career vision. These are the people who do whatever it takes to avoid work. Are y'all with me? They just want to relax and chill. Leisure is their main goal. And they don't have a clear career vision. They just dabbling in different stuff. They're just doing. The, the, if you ask them, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. Just kind of, I just want to just build my brand. Build your brand. Baby, why are you building your brand? Get a job. <laughs> While you're building your brand, until your ship comes in, find a place where you can get some money coming into your household. Can I get a witness up in here? Let me, let me say this. If you say, when I ask you, what do you do? I got my own business. But you can't sustain yourself with that business you got. All you have is a hobby. It may make you feel good. And, and when you first start out, you, you got to plow the field. You got to get some customers. But after five years, if you can't make a living out of what you say is your business, it ain't really a business. It's just a hobby that you have. Because you don't go in business just to break even. You go into business to make a profit. Can I get a witness up in here? So people who are underworking, they are better at intending to work than actually working. They intend to do this, but they never seem to get around to do it. So what is the biblical blueprint for work, okay? Go with me to Genesis, the first chapter. 
Genesis chapter number one. And let's look at verse number one. And then we're going to skip down to verse number 27. The biblical blueprint. Because God designed work. I told you before, many of us think that work was a curse because of man's sin in the garden. But when you start reading scripture, you understand that God gave man the assignment to work before he ever fell in the garden by transgressing God's will. Are you with me today? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's go to verse number 27, if you will. Glory to God. Are y'all still awake? All right. I hope that right now you are evaluating how you actually work on your job. I hope that you're thinking about how intense you are in working heartily as unto the Lord. Because he's your master and not the person who's directly over you. Can I get a witness? Watch this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and what? Male and what? Male and what? Male and what? I keep saying that because in society today, they want to add some more stuff. It's male and what? Male and he created them. Verse 28, let's go, let's go. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and do what? I want you to govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry what? Along the ground. Let's go to the second chapter. And let's look at verse number 15. Genesis 2, verse number 15. How are you working? I would submit to you that sometimes we're not receiving the blessings of God in our life because we have not approached this this particular avenue in a way that it's God-honoring and we're not allowing God to utilize us in those places of employment, those spaces where God will give us the privilege to meet people who don't even stay in our same neighborhoods, to meet people who are not like us ethnically, and we have the opportunity to be a witness for them. But because we have not properly approached the work environment, many of us cancel out our testimony. Because nobody wants to listen to you because of how you're working. The text says the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to what? To tend it. And to watch over it. To tend it means that he's got to work it. How many of y'all have flower beds at your, at your house? In the front of you, how many of y'all have flower beds? Okay. I have flower beds. We, Murray and I have flower beds at our home in the front, on the side, and in the back. We're virtually all the way around it. And those things, are, uh, it, it, it sets off a place. It makes it look, it, it adds an extra special touch to it, right? But if that flower bed is not properly weeded and worked or tended to, it can make that house look real ugly. And if you place a for sale sign in the front of your house and it's all overgrown, the grass is not cut, the flower bed has not been tended and kept, 
Because just leaving it alone ain't going to work. Because over a period of time, some stuff is going to sprout back up. That's why when, I, when it sprouts back up, I, I text my, my good friend, Brother Reuben Murray. I said, Brother Reuben, can you come by and fix me up? He says, I got you, Pastor. And Brother Reuben comes by and he fixes it up. And man, it looks so good. It looks so good once he finishes it. But you know what? In about a month and a half, maybe, maybe four weeks, he got to come back again. Or uh, maybe six weeks at the most, he has to come back again because what? Stuff is growing up in there. Guys, let me tell you something. Just leaving it alone won't work. He says the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to watch over it. So, 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 so work was established by God and God utilizes work as, as, as a tool and a mechanism to get us to where he wants us to be in him. Can I get a witness? So, so, so what is work? Work, first of all, it's a vocation. Work is more than just a job. It's, it, it is a vocation. Everybody say vocation. It's personal, y'all. Well, what do you mean by that, Brother Pastor? It's personal. Well, it's part of God's plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. It's personal, and it fits to your talents, your giftings, and the season in life that you find yourself in right now. There are times when, in certain seasons in life, where you may do a certain occupation, and then God may bless you to, in another season to work in a different occupation. Whatever it may be, do whatever you're doing as unto the Lord. It's personal, and it's purposeful. We're participating in something bigger that God is doing in the world through us. It's part of our personal story that's within God's story. Every last one of us in here, God wants to utilize us for kingdom advancement. What do you mean by kingdom advancement, Brother Pastor? Well, in other words, the kingdom of God, which is God's way of doing things, God has a vested interest in each one of us here in the earth doing whatever he, he is assigned for us to do to advance his kingdom agenda. Jesus talked a whole lot about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It's God's way of doing things. Everybody say God's way of doing things. So what is work? Work is the vocation. Number two, uh, what do we do? We create and we cultivate. Everybody say create, create. and cultivate. God modeled work for mankind by creating and cultivating the, to, for the benefit of others. First, he created from the First, he created by bringing new things into existence. He spoke, right? Second, he cultivated his work by building an environment where it could flourish, and he commissioned Adam, his co-worker, to care for it alongside him. Let me tell you something. Wherever you go, God is. I need you to say, wherever I go, God is there. Say it again. Wherever I go, God is there. God made man in his image to create, to cultivate, and develop God's world. Now, in the very beginning, work was given to man as a gift, not a curse. And it was designed to be part of every man's story. So we are to create and to cultivate. And what are we to be? We are to be a life-giving presence. In your place of employment, you should breathe life in that place. Because you are there, that place should be vibrant. Because you as a born-again believer are doing it and serving as of the Lord, it, it, it should motivate everybody else to do it better. I was, uh, man, I was, uh, on yesterday, I stopped by, was it the day before yesterday? No, I, didn't, I hadn't even told Maria this. I stopped by 
McDonald's to get something that I shouldn't have been getting. I stopped by McDonald's to get a caramel it's frappe. Y'all know what those things are? It's kind of a mix of a coffee drink with it, it, it's, it's, it's in caramel in there. And it's not, it's, it tastes good to me, but it's not good for me. And I rolled around at the drive-thru and the young lady was so doggone rude, I actually contemplated getting out of line and just driving off. But then I thought about how good that prope was. <laughs> and I stayed in line. Even though she was rude to me. Y'all forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I, 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 but I actually did think about leaving until I, I thought, you know, this, I, I kind of got a taste for this. So I put up with her. But the ultimate thing is this. Over a period of time, I refuse to go spend my dollars at a place where I'm treated like crap. Are y'all with me? And so when you as a business owner or you as a manager are looking to produce the sales you need in order for that place to stay open, in order for you to, to feed families who work there, then you need a workforce who understand how to work under the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, this, this type of uh, erroneous behavior and mindset is not just uh, 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 confined to places of employment outside the church. It happens in churches and in, in ministries all across this country where people don't serve with the right attitude. All right? God is watching what we do. So we are to be a life-giving presence. In addition to coming to earth to save us from our sins, Jesus also came as an example for us to imitate. We are called to follow Jesus. Everybody say, follow Jesus. Jesus set the example of being a life-giving presence in all areas of his life, including work. While doing his work on earth, Jesus blessed others. People experience him as a life-giving presence. And when you step up into that place where you go every day, Monday through Friday, however you work, you should be a life-giving presence. People should be glad that you're in the place. But the sad reality is that many of us as believers don't work that way. We, we, de- we detach ourselves from our faith when we go into our place of employment. And let me tell you something. A true born-again believer cannot detach himself from who he is. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. And I take Christ wherever I go. Now, I'm not saying they pay you to preach because they don't. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to have opportunities to share your faith with somebody in their place of employment when you learn how to work as under the Lord. All right. So, so, so look right quick. Now, I, I may not have time to get through all these, but I'll, I'll, I'll do a couple of them. OK, we'll get through. So, so what, are, what, what, are 10, what, 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 are, what are 10 essentials for living out the biblical blueprint for work? How can we be a blessing? How can we be a life-giving presence in our place of employment? Number one, as it relates to work, we need to be motivated by the gospel. Everybody say motivated, motivated. by the gospel. Now, too many of us, now listen, I say that and we all need to be paid, right? None of us go to work for free because if we don't have, in this capitalistic society that we live in, you have to have money. And in the church, we need to learn to talk about money. I teach on God's 
playing for money. All right. Uh, many pastors sh- uh, sort of sh- uh, are reluctant because they think people don't get mad when you talk about money. But if you talk about it the right way and approach it the right way, then you can't help but to, to be joyful when you learn about God's plan for your finances. As a matter of fact, it'll free you from all that worry you've been having about finances. Because my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we teach on it and we, we teach you, uh, we, we're going to do it here in the fall, we're going to do a financial seminar to help us get the practical things in place in our life so that we can be structured right financially so that we can be a blessing when God uh, tells us to be a blessing. Can I get a witness? All right, so number one. So, so as it relates to work, be motivated by the gospel. Go to Romans 12, 1 through 2. Our primary motivation for wanting to excel at work should come from what Jesus has done for us and how he has transformed us and giving us a new mindset. The gospel frees us to view our work as worshiping and serving God. Text says, and so dear brothers and sisters, read, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a what? A living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to what? To worship him by being a living and holy sacrifice. Number two, let's read it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't work like everybody else at your job who is not God honoring, who's cussing and fussing, all right? Who's, who's doing things that are not morally correct, just because someone else is doing it, you shouldn't jump into the same boat. Like your mama told you when you were growing up, if all your friends jump in the Red River, you're going to go jump in the Red River too? Don't do sinful things because you're in a sinful environment. Be that light in that environment. Don't laugh at dirty jokes in your place of employment just so you can say, well, I want to feel like one of the fellows. You are called to be a light in that place. Don't copy the behavior because in this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? How are we going to be transformed into a new person? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and purpose. God changes us into a new person by changing the way we think. And the way he changes our thinking is is by putting his word in our head and down in our hearts. If you have no Bible, no word in your your head and in your heart, then you'll continue to think the way you've always thought. You'll think culturally. You'll think the way your family grew up. You'll think the way you've been influenced by your friends. God wants to use you. He wants to transform all of our thinking so that we can live right for him. Amen? All right. So, so again, uh, as it relates to work, be motivated by the gospel. In other words, I'm going there to be used as a vessel by God to impact others for the kingdom. Number two, do your best and over-deliver in your work. Go back to Colossians 3 with me right quick, 23 and 24. Do your best and over-deliver in your work. Because if the truth be told, all of us have had times where I think that We've settled for just good enough in the job. Don't let that be you. Don't just settle for good enough. Excel at what you do. I promise you, somebody's watching you. Let me say this right quick. Even when it comes to ministry or anything else, 
People are observing. I observe people. I'm not going to tell you that I'm observing you because I tell you, well, I'm going to watch how you serve so, so you can get this promotion or you can get this uh, new ministry title that we, that, that, we, that we create. If you do it because I told you, because uh, you know I'm watching you, then as soon as I'm not watching you, guess what? You go back to your old habits. I, I want to know that that's a part of your DNA to work heartily as on the Lord. I want to, I want to know that it's a part of who you are, your identity in Christ. Anybody can work hard whenever the boss is around. And I don't want, I don't want to ever be in a work environment where you got to scramble when the guy comes around. Well, what were you doing prior to him coming in there? See, if you work heartily as unto the Lord, it doesn't matter who's around. Because it's in your DNA to serve God through your work. Work, look at work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Verse 24 again, listen to this. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is whom? The master you are serving is Christ. Number three for good measure. Become a master in your craft or your line of work. Go to Proverbs 22 and 29. Become a master in your craft or your line of work. Be the, be the go-to person for, for whatever you are assigned to do. Give your very best and learn and keep up with technology because that can be a, a challenge for some of us as we get older to keep up with technology. But be the go-to guy for doing whatever is, is, is need to be done on the job because what you do is you create a market for yourself. Come on now. If I'm the best carpenter, the best construction guy in town, I don't have to worry about uh, having uh, 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 houses to build because the word is going to get around. If I'm the best plumber in town and I show up when I say I'm going to show up and I do the work in a quality fashion and I don't charge you an arm and a leg, I won't ever stop being busy. Because everybody say people talk. All right. And so, so be, be, be the best you can possibly. Look at what the scripture text said. Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Let's read again. Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for what? Ordinary people. They, they will find themselves in a place of, of, of great influence. The skillful will be sought out for their expertise and will have great influence. Great influence. Let me just share this with you. One of the things that, and I'm, I'm going to close on this one. When I was in banking, uh, I worked at a commercial national bank. And we decided as a bank to be the bank of choice for church lending. Okay? We decided we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna seek to do this in a way at a level to where uh, we'll get all the church deals in town. And pretty much we got all the church deals that were in town back in the day. Because church lending is different than regular uh, commercial lending to a, a regular business. You have to understand church life. Well, who better to understand church life than a pastor who's leading a church? And so as a result of us taking the time said, we're going to understand this. We're going we're to have a comparative analysis of how churches uh, do their, their ministry programs and their finances. And we're going to get good at this. And because we got good at that, we took a portfolio, I took a portfolio of nine million in outstanding. By the time I left, it was over 28 million in outstanding. From nine million to 28 million, that's 
that's, that's almost three times what it was. Why? Because we developed a sense of expertise in how we did it, and we were able to finance small churches, medium-sized churches, and large churches. A lot of the banks wouldn't touch the small churches, but I felt it was a part of my responsibility to be able to understand them and to be able to present them to the people who I need to sell it to and say, this church is solid, and they can pay this loan back. And they did. Can I get a witness? And so we were the go-to church person. I didn't even have to go looking for it. It came to me. Because if you are good at what you do, people will find you. And God will bless your hand when you learn how to work heartily as under him. So become a master in your craft. If you're going to be a teacher, be the best teacher you possibly can be. If you're going to be an administrator in the school system, be the best administrator you can possibly be. And I promise you, people will come looking for you for advice. And they'll become looking for that skill set because it is very hard to find good help. Let me say it again. It is very hard, especially in today's work environment, to find even Christians working as unto the Lord. So my question today is I close. How are you really working? Have you thought about your work from that vantage point that God is using you in that place to be a kingdom influence? And God is using you in that place to be a blessing, to be a life-giving presence to that environment that you find yourself in? Are you really that, are you really focused on working under the Lord or are you just going to get a paycheck? Only you can answer that question. And it may not be the job that you want for the rest of your life, but while you are at that job, you owe it to God and to yourself to do it like he told us to do it. And until you go someplace else, you keep doing what you're doing. And I promise you, when you do it that way, opportunities will come looking for you. Because people talk. Everybody say people talk. How are you working? Every head bowed, everybody close.